Hey, welcome to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Man, it's awesome to have you joining us today. Hey, if you're just catching our show for the first time here, maybe one of our SB Nation affiliated stations, man, you want to catch our show some anytime, anywhere at your convenience, you could do so by going to our iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. I am Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician with Texas Sport and Spine, basically doing here on air what I do in my day job, which is talk about different injuries to different parts of the body, shoulders, knees, hips, backs, anything with the uh, sports medicine world. Man, we're so glad to have you join us. I am joined each week by my co host, longtime sports broadcaster, Ferris Potter. Ferris is the voice of Grand Canyon University. Ferris, thanks for being on, man. Absolutely. Look forward to it every week, man. A lot of fun stuff to talk about this week. Heck yeah. And, man, we got a great guest coming on. We have Dr. Larry Bowman, a good friend of ours. Been on Docs and Jocks before, but we have not had Dr. Bowman on since they won the national championship just uh, about a week ago. So it'll be fun talking about all the uh, year, how Clemson did all year long. And they basically stayed injury-free or, or pretty much injury-free from what uh, I can tell. So we'll talk about how he, he and his sports medicine team there uh, take care of him. Dr. Larry Bowman coming on with uh, the Clemson team physician. Maybe we'll talk to a little bit about the uh, trip to the White House too, man. So uh, the last time when I asked about the show, I said, man. hey, are you on your way to the White House? And he said, yep, we're on our way. And then all this <laughs> national news broke out about eating hamburgers at the White House, whatever that's about. I don't know, man. When I was in college, you and I were college fair. Someone gave us a free hamburger. We weren't saying no, and we sure weren't being displeased by it, I guarantee you. Not at all, man. Come on. I'd eat a hamburger anywhere. Yeah. I just, uh, I, they had me at the word free and food in college. I'm just telling you, as a Division One baseball player, man, I was 100%, hungry man, 100%. all the time. So, yeah, we'll be having him on later on the show. And then every week we have our lovely Miss Tracy Mutton. She'll bring, be bringing us our Mental Strength Minute and talk about what's going on there. But if you want to follow our show, uh, you could do so, uh, Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show, by going to at uh, D-O-X-N-J-O-X, D-O-X-N-J-O-X, at uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, you name it. But, man, a lot of fun stuff going on right now in the NBA, the uh, NFL. Obviously, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty the last four teams. And Major League Baseball's had a lot of things going on with a lot of off-season trades or lack of off-season free agent moves. So Machado's still out there. Harper's still out there. I think Keuchel's still out there, man. Yeah, so it'll be a lot of fun talking about all of that and more crazy. here on Docs and Jocks. Remember, you can email me your question at docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Contact me there, send me your question, and ask Dr. Dan. We'll be right back with Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. I'm Dr. Dan, joined each week by my co-host, Ferris Potter. Man, it's great to have you be part of our show. Remember, you can follow us anytime, anywhere by going to our iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks, and subscribing, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Hey, thanks for making us one of the fastest-growing podcasts out there. Man, we love our audience. We love you guys listening uh, each week here to uh, Docs and Jocks. Ferris, I thought we'd jump into a couple big stories, uh, sports medicine stories in the news, and I'll talk about how they work their way into sports medicine. You and I have talked to numerous coaches, Ferris, over the years that have all said they love the two-sport athlete because they believe the two-sport athlete uh, gives a better, well-rounded athlete, no matter what the sport you, you're, you are recruiting for, whether it's baseball, Andy Stankiewicz out of Grand Canyon University, where you are the sports broadcaster, said he loves baseball players who play football because it makes him gritty. We've had on uh, Hall of Fame, uh, Texas Hall of Fame high school and Hall of Fame college coach, uh, Coach Jimmy Keeling, who's a legend at Hardin Sims University, the winningest team for an entire decade uh, anywhere across the country. He said that he loved football players who played other sports, baseball, basketball, because he felt like he got a more well-rounded athlete uh, when he got to football players uh, that had played multiple sports. So that all said, last week we talked about some of the greatest two-sport athletes. We listed Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, Jim Thorpe. There's a name. If you don't know who he is, go out and check him out, man. Track and field, baseball, football, great athlete back in the day. And then our latest Heisman winner, 
uh, Kyler Murray is the guy that we're going to be talking about here on the show because he has now declared for the NFL draft, which means he will give up his senior year at Oklahoma University where he won the Heisman as a junior this last year. And he has uh, been, uh, you know, basically going to be turning down if he does take the NFL draft away and goes to the NFL, his uh, Oakland A's contract, which was going to pay him a lot of money. So it looks like he is going to be going the NFL route, which now makes Ferris, I don't know if you realize this, but now Bama's quarterback, Jalen Hurts, is going to be going to OU. So he wants to play his senior year there, which makes three years in a row a Texas-born quarterback. We're going to start, start with Baker Mayfield. Then we go to Kyler Murray, and now we're talking about Jalen Hurts, Texas-born quarterbacks, going to OU, Baker Mayfield, and Kyler Murray both win the Heisman when they transferred to, to OU. Now Jalen Hurts, who is stuck behind Tua at Alabama, great quarterback in his own right, is he going to be the third Heisman Trophy candidate winner at OU in a row who all transferred from other schools? Would that not be unbelievable? That'd be crazy. And if you're, I mean, if you're someone who's a proud uh, resident of the state of Texas, yeah. why do these guys go to OU? I don't know, man. That's what How I'm talking you about. Them? I you know. You got A&M, you got Tech, yes. you got Texas, Please. you got Baylor. I mean, <laughs> yeah. geez, you got oh. Rice. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, we You continue. got Houston. They can't keep them. There is a reason why so many colleges come to Texas to recruit Texas football players because – Dagum one, they're good, and then they just have an ability to be good at the next level. They've played such high-quality teams when you played in the Texas system, whether it's 6A or 5A or 4A. Man, I'm telling you, they just play such good, high-quality teams. They're ready for the next level of college. So they, they seem like they just thrive. And so now we're going to have three in a row, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and now Jalen Hurts is, are all going to be Texas-born guys all playing at OU, potentially if uh, Hurts wins the uh, Heisman, which he's he's a candidate. I mean, he was a great quarterback. He won a national yeah. championship when uh, Tua was out the year before, so this guy's playing the national championship game. got to say he has experience, right, because he won a national championship. We'll talk to uh, Dr. Larry Bowman, yeah. going to be our guest on the next segment about uh, the great Bama quarterbacks. But, man, this is, this is bizarre that three Texas-born quarterbacks have now gone to OU and uh, – Going to be putting their thing, putting their uh, putting them on display this year at Jalen Hurts uh, with uh, with Oklahoma instead of Alabama. A really interesting quote, and this is the thing about recruiting at, at any sport: college football, baseball, basketball. So when the uh, five-star high school quarterbacks uh, Spencer Rattler, who uh, was just picked up by um, OU on December 31st, he said, "Oh, this makes me laugh, but it's sad, really." <laughs> Coach Riley wasn't it he said he wasn't taking a transfer quarterback anytime soon so this is a high school quarterback who's a five-star quarterback coming to OU he's been told by Lincoln Riley his uh, coach that they are not looking at taking any transfer quarterbacks in because obviously if you're a freshman you don't want a transfer quarterback coming in and taking your job especially when you're five-star you know blue chip yeah. type player so once again Ferris can you believe anything a coach tells you uh with him when it comes to uh, who they will and won't take uh, you know, I don't want to paint a really broad brush. So, yes, there are some coaches out there you can probably believe. Um, you know, this just goes to show you that, I mean, it puts him in a really weird position because what Lincoln Riley will say is, well, Jalen Hurts wasn't in the transfer portal at the time. Right. At the time, there was nobody in the transfer portal. So I had no intention. But now when you get a guy who's a national champion who fits exactly hand in glove with the offense I run, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to take him for a year or two, you know. Um, I would hope he at least reached out to the kid and said, hey, it's here. I'm going to do this, you know, that type of thing. But 
No, because we've talked. I mean, your son's been being recruited. Unfortunately, you've had really good good guys recruiting him. And, you know, baseball's a little bit different. But, man, once they get you to sign a dotted line, you're just another number in their system. And they got to win games or they're going to get fired. And, you know, you're, I mean, they, they just use you and, and send you on down the road. So it's not shocking. Yeah. But it's sad. Yeah, no, we have been in that recruiting uh, cycle with uh, different sport baseball, but definitely had other schools approach uh, Caleb about going to another school even after he had verbally committed to the school that he picked, uh, Texas State. So I, I always tell him, I said, hey, we basically shook their hand on this deal, and it's a, it's a done deal. I said, that's, that's our name behind that shaking of the hands. But you can see why sometimes the, the athlete would say, oh, if the coaches – don't always tell me the exact truth. And, you know, obviously you're like what you're saying. Lincoln yeah. Riley probably didn't know the transfer portal that Jalen Hurts was going to be there. But tells this five-star recruit that that's the way it's going to be. You can see why if they aren't always honest, why the players aren't always loyal to the school that they've verbally committed to and can make a change. So, yeah, it's just one of those things. Just uh, college recruiting, man, when you're talking about trying to get these uh, blue chip players and trying to make sure they come your way. I mean, one of the things we talked about too was Nick Saban was very smart because he did not name the starter this year for Alabama when Tua and Jalen Hurts were both going after it after Hurts won the, the, you know, the national championship for him the year before, but Tua was back and healthy. He did not name a starter until after the season basically was already up and going. And you and I spoke about this. It wasn't, I don't believe because of injury, I think it was to try and keep, both players on the roster so that if someone came out early and left or got injured, he'd have two star quarterbacks, which is good for Alabama, but not necessarily good for the individual star quarterback who wants to go on and play in the NFL. Like I guarantee Jalen Hurts and Tua want to do. So yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. But we talked about that with Nick Saban. That's probably why he didn't claim which quarterback was going to be his quarterback for the year, even though Tua ended up being the guy all year long because he wanted to keep both of them there all year. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's a weird position. And, and as much as we say, oh, college football is more like pro football at that level, we still hold them to a different standard because they're dealing with kids. But yeah. the kids want to be treated like pro players. So uh-huh. you can't have your cake and eat it, too. And the pros, it's doggy dog, man. I might sign. I, I mean, look, look, look at the Cardinals. They they sign. They give a big money to uh, uh, what's his Rosen. name? The, yeah, Josh. Well, they signed Josh Rosen, but they'd given big money to um, Sam Bradford. The, Sam Bradford before, and he was supposed to be the starting guy, and now yeah. he's on the bench. They did the same thing with Drew Stanton. That's the best quarterback they could get. Next thing you know, a month or two later, Carson Palmer's available. Drew Stanton's sitting, <laughs> and nobody nobody cried for Drew Stanton, right? No, no, they but because did not. it's an 18-year-old kid, you go, yeah. oh, that's too bad. But that kid wants to be treated like a pro. He wants money. He wants this. He wants that. So I get it. I mean, I, I, Lincoln Riley's sitting there going, I want to win a national championship. I want to secure my job. I want to provide for my family, make millions. I might want to go pro. Jalen Hurts is out there. I'm taking him. Yeah, and let's look. And I, I don't know, man. It's hard. It's a pretty good track record at OU right now on transfer transfer quarterbacks coming in. Yeah. I mean, you get, this could potentially be the third Heisman Trophy winner in three years. I, I don't know if that's going to happen with Jalen Hurts or not, but if it does, I mean, what are the – it's got to be astronomical odds of three transfer quarterbacks yeah. coming in and winning Heisman Trophies at one school. That, that's just unreal. Well, we didn't used to see that much transferring, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of times you have to sit out. I don't know all the transfer rules, but I guess this guy's not going to have to sit out on a transfer. But it's, you know, you can get a hardship waiver and things like that. But, um, you know, but I do think, hey, look, if coaches, you know, Lincoln Riley could recruit all those kids. And tomorrow, Nick Saban could retire and they could hire Lincoln Riley and he wouldn't have to sit out a year. He could transfer right to Alabama and he Mm -hmm. could play. He could coach, you know? So the coaches have these things, you know? I mean, 
we see coaches all the time. They quit one place and they pop up another place, even though they recruited these guys and they promised them the world, you know. So I just think the kids should be able to do the same thing if you want to make it a, a fair a fair ground. But, I mean, that's the way it is in life, right? Somebody's yeah, got the yeah. power and somebody doesn't. And in college baseball now, what they do, junior colleges go to Division One college rosters to find the kids that didn't play the year before, and that's how they start filling their JUCO recruit rosters. Them, yeah. They recruit them off of the uh, Division One teams that they don't play on. So it happens everywhere. This has been a perfect segue into our next guest, Dr. Larry Bowman, the head team physician for Clemson, who uh, just won a national championship. So we'll talk about this and all all of the uh, Clemson national championship run right right after uh, this this short commercial on Docs and Jocks. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan. Great to have you join us today. If you're just catching our sports medicine show for the very first time, want to find out more about it, you can do so by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. Uh, joined each week by my co-host Ferris Potter and Ferris, we are very, very honored to have on uh, what I call. Uh, I, there are some mentors uh, in the sports medicine world, doctors who have made such an impact that the rest of us who have followed in their footsteps uh, owe a huge, great uh, debt of gratitude to Dr. Larry Bowman, who is the head team physician uh, for Clemson, who just won a national championship in football, is uh, is one of those doctors. He j- he won uh, in 2006 the Dr. Jack Houston Physician of the Year Award. Dr. Houston was my mentor at the Houston Clinic. Uh, his uh, accolades are so long, if I gave read them all off, it would take too long to be the entire interview. Just want to say thank you, Dr. Bowman, for being on Docs and Jocks. It is absolutely my pleasure. So first of all, congratulations on a great football season. I know you uh, cover sports other than football at Clemson, but, man, what a great season and a 15-0 and run, first time in 120 years. Uh, tell us a little bit about this uh, incredibly special team. Well, I t- first of all, I said that I was going to retire uh, several years ago and yeah. won the national championship, and all of a sudden <laughs> I said, I don't feel that old. Uh, but it, 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 it truly is an, an incredible uh, team. It was a team effort. Uh, Davo Sweeney, our coach, is uh, not just a great motivator, but he's also out- unbelievably outstanding in organization and culture and doing the right things. And he has uh, established a culture that that respects everybody in the program and makes the players be accountable for everything they do. So he is. Uh, he really has established. Uh, an exciting uh, team to be in. He's always uh, very, very uh, appreciative of anybody that helps, and he demands everybody do their best. There's not uh, anybody on the team and any part of the team that is not totally uh, committed to, to to doing everything that uh, will make the team better. Well, it definitely showed this year for sure. Ferris, you have a question for Dr. Bowman? Yeah, Dr. Bowman. Um, I mean, what is it about that, that Clemson team that allowed you guys to, I mean, it seemed like they dominated Alabama in a way that I hadn't really seen them dominate before. It looked like they played loose, but played very uh, aggressive and very determined at the same time. Is that, is that just a tribute to Dabo and, and, and the coaches getting them prepared? Well, there's no question about preparation, but uh, also it's the culture of uh, working hard every day in practice. Nothing's given. You're not assuming that you're going to uh, uh, you know, be handed anything. And uh, it's not just uh, talent. You have to have talent. But and we really need to give credit to Christian Wilkin, uh, who, not, who won the um, academic Heisman as well as uh, will be a, one of the top uh, draft picks, and Austin Ryan on the defensive line, who came back and, and instead of going uh, uh, to the NFL last year. And that, it's that culture. It's a family, and everybody works for each other. 
Now, we're Sports Medicine Show here, Dr. Bowman, so obviously uh, we know about the great coaching staff, know about some great players like you just mentioned, but it also takes a great sports medicine team, and uh, you being the team orthopedist there, and you had a really good year as far as uh, being uh, healthy and keeping players on the field. Tell us a little bit about that Clemson sports medicine team, which helped make that possible. Well, our head trainer is Danny Cole and has been there uh, ever since I've been there, this is my 31st year. He's unbelievable. He's preceded by Fred Hoover. They've established the uh, the culture and the work ethic, and, and so he's there all the time. Uh, and then we have uh, this is the first year that I haven't traveled to every game. I actually went to 382 consecutive games oh, every my time goodness. they were on the bus or the plane <laughs> I was on. Uh, and this year I didn't travel to the ACC away games. Dr. Steve Martin, who's my partner. He's my younger partner. He's only 57, and uh, <laughs> it's going to be at over 70. So he is, uh, he's traveled this year, very talented, and he's the primary care sports medicine doctor. And when I started taking care of Clemson, he was a, a student trainer. Wow. So uh, it's a significant uh, you know, family. It's oriented. Every, almost everybody from the, both the coaching staff and the uh, training staff have ties to Clemson, uh, haven't gone to school there, or been a GA there for the, the other trainers. Awesome. Yeah, so when uh, when Dabo Sweeney named uh, Trevor Lawrence the starter, right, as a freshman, what, what was everybody's thought? Were people like, oh, boy, this is a risk? Or had you seen enough to go, yeah, this is the right thing, this kid's going to be a stud? Well, I, every, uh, when you see him play, uh, the first practice I went to, I was, I'd ever get there right at the beginning, uh, and I saw this this pass. I said, "Oh my gosh, he threw that!" Uh, and it was Trevor Lawrence. I said, "That's Trevor Lawrence." And that was in last spring. Uh, but our former quarterback Kelly Bryant, great kid, uh, and, and uh, very talented, didn't quite have the arm strength of, uh, of Trevor. And, um, and and Trevor is humble. He he studies tape. He knows the opponent. He can look at defenses. He's the the, the full package. Hey, we're talking to Dr. Larry Bowman, the uh, head team physician for Clemson, uh, national champions in football this year. Dr. Bowman, we have to ask, uh, did you make the White House trip, and did uh, you have a hamburger, <laughs> chicken, or pizza? Man, I, all I know is when I was a, a Division I baseball player, if someone had offered me free hamburger, chicken, or pizza, I don't care who offered me. I was eating that thing, and I was glad to have it. How'd that go? It was absolutely unbelievable. Oh, and, that's uh, awesome. First of all, because of the uh, government shutdown, the, the first time we went, we had during the yeah, filet and things, all kinds of wonderful things, uh, sandwiches and all that. But I hadn't had a Big Mac in probably 15 <laughs> years, and it was, I mean, I loved it. it was, I had a Big Mac and a Wendy's chicken go wrap. But they did have salads, so the, the salads weren't nearly uh, uh, taken as quickly as the, the, the real food. But uh, the, the players loved it. And then the uh, president took the players into the Oval Office. Oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, wow. It was truly an unbelievable experience for, for all of us. But the players, he, he really did a great job with the players. Oh, that's a great first-hand, first-hand account. I appreciate that. Ferris? Is it is it a little surreal, Dr. Bowman? Is it a little surreal eating fast food in the White House with the president? Yeah, that's how cool is that, feeling. man? I want to hey, do that. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was and especially eating it off of, of the White House uh, uh, not crystal, but the, the, the right hand, right hand side. Of, and, uh, That's awesome. you know, and the napkins, napkins had the presidential seal on it. So uh, that, was, that was pretty neat that it was uh, served by the, the military. 
security said, wait a minute, there, there are these cars coming, and they said, that's the food for the folks that's getting for the team. And oh, wow. The head of security, they said, the Secret Service people said, go get the food, don't drive up. But uh, <laughs> it was really great. <laughs> you mentioned earlier, you know, 31 years with uh, Clemson now, and Dabo Sweeney, you tried to retire, and he would not take your resignation. Uh, now that you won a national championship again, there is no way he's going to let his head team position leave. Are you going to be there forever? I mean, are you going to go try and go for a 41-year stint? Or what's this looking like in your career? <laughs> uh, I tell you, it's, it's still a, a lot of fun. And with that great partners in my group, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. But it's, it's, I was at that women's basketball game last night, which was terrific, and we won. And the night before, at our men's basketball game, and I still will travel with the men and women to the ACC tournaments and the NCAAs. Uh, but it's been just, uh, it, it's, it's way too much fun. Uh, and I feel young enough that I think I can still keep going. Yeah. Uh, but I'll turn all, all the hard work over to the uh, the younger folks. You bet. <laughs> do, the, uh, do the students kind of help keep you young and keep you invigorated? I mean, that's the one cool thing about college is every two, three years, I mean, every year there's a new face there, a new exciting kid wanting to make their mark. Well, they really do, and then the fact that we have a primary care sports medicine fellowship uh, during the orthopedic residence suite, uh, it's now called Prisma Health Food, it's part of the University of South Carolina Medical School, uh, and we train their residents, and they also keep you on your toes and make sure that you're current and doing everything, but uh, I haven't allowed them to put any kind of uh, assistant or associate professor or anything that says University of South Carolina School of Medicine, because we still have that uh, separation between Clemson and uh, other states supporting school other than Clemson. Yeah, for those that are listening audience who don't understand what a fellowship is, when you finish uh, your residency, and that can be in family practice, it can be in physical medicine, it can be in orthopedics, uh, you can then go on and subspecialize, and that's what a fellowship does. And, and Dr. Bowman, he's talking about a sports medicine fellowship. And you mentioned earlier, too, uh, Fred Hoover was an athletic trainer with you at year for years at Clemson. He's very, very well known in the athletic training world. I believe he's in the Hall of Fame. Talk about uh, what it was like working with such a legend as uh, he. Oh, Fred Hoover was a true giant. He did everything uh, when I first started. Uh, he did what ten people do now. He would. He not only did all the athletic training, but he also would arrange the planes, do all the dinners, have all the uh, uh, away game uh, food, do the buses. He did. He did it all, and uh, and he ran down the hill. Uh, it was like 250 times. Uh, he never missed a game, and wow. uh, he still uh, he still comes to things. He helps with the uh, with the officials uh, when the, when they come. So he's at every home football game too. Well, Dr. Bowman, our time is always too short here on Docs and Jocks. I do want to say uh, before we go, uh, thank you uh, from all of us who have followed you know in the in the path that you've blazed uh, in the sports medicine world. Uh, man, I want to say thank you because uh, there are a lot of us that would not be doing what we're doing for a profession unless there were guys like you that have really pioneered the field of sports medicine. Uh, you won the Dr. Jack Houston Award. Dr. Houston, who was my mentor, actually coined the phrase sports medicine, which is hard to believe. It's only been around that short period of time, and now we do it for a living. So I want to say thank you from all of us. And, man, uh, looking back on your career, would you have changed anything now looking uh, – 31 years being Clemson's team physician, having a great orthopedic practice there at Blue Ridge Orthopedics. Would you have changed anything? I, yes, I would have changed absolutely nothing, and it's just been uh, – you, you couldn't have uh, written a better script. Uh, I couldn't have dreamed anything any better. And congratulations to you all on your 140-plus uh, stations and the great job you all do uh, bringing this to sports medicine. 
Well, thank you, and uh, that is well appreciated, and, and it's partly because of great guests like uh, you, Dr. Larry Bowman, and, man, we wish you the best, and we'll see you next year when you win another national championship with Clemson. From all of us at Docs and Jocks, so long. Thank you, Dr. Dan. All right. Thank you. All right, Dr. Bowman, thanks. I will uh, hey, appreciate the interview. We'll have you back on uh, again next year when you win it again. Man, we've got to make this an annual thing now since you won it. Appreciate it. I would love it. All right. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. This is Dr. Dan, my co-host, Ferris, the voice of Grand Canyon University, coming to you talking to inside the Dr. Jocks radio studio deep in the heart of Texas. Man, we love talking sports medicine. Just had on Dr. Larry Bowman. If you've ever missed an interview like the one we did with the Clemson team physician, uh, Dr. Bowman, uh, you can go back and listen to any of our previous shows or interviews by going to docsandjocks.com or go to our iTunes podcast and subscribe at Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Hey, Ferris, I always love talking to guys who've done it for a long time. We've had on Dr. Bowman before. We do have quite a streak. We've had on uh, Jack Morris, who went on and uh, was elected into the Hall of Fame right after we had him on. We yes, had yes. on um, Darren Woodson, who uh, right after we had him on the next week was inducted into the Ring of Honor for the Dallas Cowboys. And now Dr. Larry Bowman, who went on right after we had him on the first time and wins a national championship with Clemson. And uh, we are on a good roll, I would say. Yeah, I think uh, I don't see why people don't want to come on our show. Like, I don't know why Andy <laughs> Reid didn't call us. I don't know why Tom Brady or Bill Belichick didn't call. I don't understand why they're not reaching out to us more. Maybe we just need to get the word out more. Well, let's just jump right in there. We're talking about Andy Reid. I know your uh, your heart's uh, pattering a little faster this week because of uh, Andy Reid and your oh. Kansas City Chiefs, who have not been in the Super Bowl since 1969, as I'm sure you as a Kansas City Chiefs fan are well aware of. They're playing Tom Brady and the Patriots, and Tom Brady has uh, trying to become the first team to win a Super Bowl after losing it the year before since the 1972 Miami Dolphins, who had a great year that year, obviously. But right now um, – Man, it's uh, pretty exciting. The, it looks like it's going to be, I believe I looked it up, it's going to be 19 degrees in Kansas City. It's going to feel like 9 degrees on the field when the Patriots uh, take the field against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. They're calling it, uh, with Brady, the father time versus mother nature. And so give us your take on, <laughs> <laughs> on, give us your take on where that game stands and uh, what you see happening. Man. I'm not happy with how I feel. <laughs> Uh-oh. Because – I feel really confident the Chiefs are going to win, and it makes me incredibly nervous. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not used to that. Andy got over a hump with me when they won at home for the first time in 25 years in a home playoff game, and I feel like I feel like almost all coaches can lose games more than they can win games by making dumb plays and dumb calls and dumb things, but I feel like he's got so much talent on the team this year, and their talent is that much better than – the Patriots that they're gonna the Chiefs are gonna win on talent regardless of what the coach does, but that does make me nervous because Brady and Belichick just seem to figure out ways to win whether they have the best team or not. So I'm yeah. a little nervous about it, but I do think the Chiefs are the better team. Do you think? I it mean, makes did, it, what do you think? You, I mean, you know, I just don't go against the Patriots. I've just learned like the last ten years. I know, every time I say true. the Patriots are gonna lose, they end up winning, and I just don't go against the Patriots. So and it's well, I'm uh, nervous. I always feel like the team that is glad to be there is less likely to win. I've seen this in so many sports when you are Kansas City Chiefs and you take Patrick Mahomes and you're like, hey, we're in the the uh, AFC championship. It feels like you're like you're glad to be there. I don't feel like the Patriots are glad to be there. And what I mean by that, no. I feel like it's an unfinished business for them. It's just another speed bump for them to get where they want to be, and they want to be in the Super Bowl holding the trophy after the game's over. And that's how they see it because they've been to that AFC championship so many times. I saw this with my uh, – 
beloved St. Louis Cardinals in uh, mm-hmm. 2004, I believe it was, and they played the Red Sox, and they were just glad to be there because they weren't supposed to be there. They barely got in in 2004, and uh, they got to the World Series, and they were just glad to be there, and they just got stomped. So in 2006, they show up in the World yeah. Series again, and this is the same team, same nucleus. They didn't seem glad to be there at the World Series because they wanted to win it, and they won it. So I just feel like when you're glad to be there – Mm, I don't know. I'm not saying the Chiefs can't win it because uh, I'll tell you what, man, they got some great, great players. Their, their line is strong. Obviously, we know the arm of Mahomes. Uh, Tyreek Hill is, is just a, another speed than everybody else in the NFL. They're really strong at tight end. So, our, our, And Eric Berry, by the way, sports medicine angle of this story, you get your safety, your all-pro safety, your Pro Bowl safety back. Eric Berry, who's been dealing with a heel problem, he's back in the backfield now, which is a very good time for him to come back. If you're going to come back, come and get back against Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game. So a lot of good things looking and trending towards Kansas City. It's just very hard to pick against the Patriots. Yeah, and that that's why you can see my conundrum. That's why I'm very <laughs> nervous because I have this calm about me yes. that the Chiefs are going to win this game, yeah. and I'm not used to that. But I will say this. And we've seen it. I think every quarterback in the game, in this the, the four remaining, except Patrick Mahomes, if you pressure them, that's how you win the game. You have to have consistent pressure if you want any chance against, for sure, Brady and Breeze. Goff can make some mistakes, but I saw him with the Cowboys on a, on, on the, the second half of that game. Oh, yeah. He was just standing there like a statue. I know. You know? I and know. then he was had when he ran, he had like 20 yards. They couldn't put pressure on him. and. When people beat them before and when the Patriots have lost, Tom Brady does not like people in his face. And so if the Chiefs can get the pressure they got against Andrew Luck, I think they'll be okay. If they can't and he gets to stand back there, he'll just pick them apart and it's going to be a shootout. But Mahomes can can run a little bit. He hasn't yet had a blow-up game, you know, as a young guy where he throws like four picks or whatever. So I don't know. And plus they got to run. I mean, the Rams ran for over 200 yards against the, the Cowboys, you know. So I hope yeah. I hope the Chiefs don't go just that fast paced thing. I hope they mix in some runs and stuff and try to get you know 100 plus yards rushing. Yeah, does it mean or does it seem like every Patriot game starts off the same way? It seems like they throw the quick pass, whether it's a quick slant to Edelman, whether it's you know just the swing pass. They throw the quick quick passes so Brady's never has anybody in his face. Then you yeah. suck him up and then you throw a seam pass to Gronk. And it's, I mean that's just seems like every game is like that or a seam pass to Edelman or whoever. Over yeah, and, over and Gronk and over. looks. Gronk looks like he's done and passed his prime, so he'll probably go for, you know, 10 catches and 150 <laughs> yards and three. Yeah. I mean, you know what? That, that's the biggest thing. At some point, though, it's got to run out. At some point, the tide has to turn. We thought it was going to be against uh, the Falcons. They're down. Oh, they come. We thought it was going to be Seattle. Oh, Andrew or Wilson throws that interception. It finally last year, they didn't get it done. So yeah. I, at some point, their luck's got to run out. I don't mean luck. I, I think they get a ton of breaks, but they always. They always make the best of those. They always they always get it done after the break, but they do get a lot of breaks. Yeah, great talent seems to go along with getting a lot of breaks for sure, no doubt yeah, about it. Yeah, exactly. What is your take with having Eric Berry back in the uh, being playing safety now? I think it frees up the uh, backfield to do a lot more things because Eric Berry is such a great talent. He's very rarely on the field in the last three or four years because of yeah. injuries, and obviously we know his whole bout with lymphoma, so we haven't seen him at his prime in a long, long time because of multiple different things. But when he is healthy and when he is good, he is a game-changer. So I think it's a big deal that you put him in the safety that safety when Tom Brady's coming to try and beat you in Kansas City. Yeah, if he's truly healthy. I mean, you know, sometimes these guys come back and they're 60, 70, 80%, you know. Um, if he's truly healthy, I think we're going to be in good shape. You yeah. know, if he's not truly healthy and he's just coming back to play, then I think it could be some trouble. So yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that he's healthy. I hope he's ready to go. 
Uh, but I, you know, I just, I just don't know. And you know, you growing growing up in the Kansas City area, tell our listening audience what is like playing a game, and and being in that Arrowhead Stadium atmosphere. It's, it's always considered one of the hardest places to play uh, an away game for the Patriots coming in. What what is it like in Arrowhead Stadium? Oh, it's crazy. I mean, Arrowhead Stadium is is loud. It's going to be cold. I you know I've heard different. Earlier week it said it's going to be one degree. Then somebody said it's going to be thirty. Now it's saying it's going to be nineteen or whatever, and feel like nine. I mean, I, I have no idea what the weather's going to be, but the crowd's going to be crazy. I've heard I've heard uh, NFL players say it's the loudest outdoor stadium, even louder than up in Seattle. But like, do you think that's going to bother Tom Brady? I mean, Tom Brady feeds off that. Like, Tom Brady's the only guy who can be routinely called the greatest of all time and have a chip on his shoulder that people don't think he's any good. Like, he's literally <laughs> going out saying, "Oh, I know everybody thinks we suck. We'll just show them, dude." Everybody calls you the greatest of all time. You don't get to have a chip on your shoulder when you're labeled the GOAT, <laughs> all right? Relax. Yeah, I know, but he loves playing that underdog role. Oh, hey, let's switch me. gears and talk about the NFC for a bit. The Saints will be without defensive tackle uh, Sheldon Rankins, who's now been deemed out due to uh, tearing and rupturing his Achilles last week. He is six foot two, 287 pounds. Remember, <laughs> your Achilles, that tendon rack back behind your heel, it is a uh, coalition coalescing of the muscles, your gastrocnemius, which are two muscles, your medial and your lateral and your soleus underneath that. Those muscles all conjoin right there behind your heel and they become this Achilles tendon. And it takes six times your body weight. So just for uh, you out there who aren't uh, uh, star mathematicians, that's 1,722 pounds going through his Achilles tendon. Sheldon rank his tendon every time he jumps up and down or moves. So, yeah, it ruptured, believe it or not. So you got to watch Todd Gurley for the Rams, man. He might have a big game, not with their uh, you know star defensive tackle. That puts a hole there for sure, doesn't it? Well, you know, I thought it was interesting, uh, that, that Cowboys game. And I thought the Cowboys were going to beat the Rams because I just thought they might play better defensively and control things. Yeah. But, um you know, everybody's like, oh, we got to have the next Sean McVay. He's such a genius. He throws the ball so much. And they ran for over 200-plus yards. Like, he kind of went old school, right? He controlled the ball. He had girly run. And so that's a huge weapon. I honestly have no idea how that game's going to go because it's hard to bet against Breeze, too. The guy's just a magician back there, and he's got a ton of skill players, too. I think that's going to be a fun game, too. Yeah, they smoked him the first time they met. Breeze did. So remember, the uh, Rams went in there. I think they were 8-0 when they went in to play the Saints, and they got – Got their tail handed to them. So, yeah, that's uh, they got a little bit of revenge factor going on for the Rams for sure after the first time. First yeah, and down. Goff's not super mobile. I know he had a big run to ice the game against Dallas, but he's not real mobile either. He likes to stand back there. And I, I remember that game when they're eight. No, the Saints got in his face a yeah, lot, you did. know, and and they flustered him. He's not no quarterbacks that good when they have to move and they have to run around and they have to have guys in their face. So, right. They do that's get the their, key. The Saints do get their left tackle back, their left offensive tackle, uh, Taron. Armstead is coming back after he tore his pectoralis muscle. So your pec muscle, remember, is made up of there's a pec major, which is the one when you're touching the front of your chest. That's actually what you're feeling. And you have a pec minor, which runs underneath that and goes up and attaches actually to your shoulder blade called your coracoid process that sticks out there and it attaches there. So when you tear your pec, the way uh, you're always vulnerable to have it happen again and why offensive linemen have such a hard time coming back from it, take your arm out away from you, put your arm at 90 degrees from your trunk, and then lean it backwards, go push back away from you, and that's pulling your pectoralis muscle, your pec uh, min- minor and your pec major. And so just think about what an offensive lineman's doing. You know, someone's trying to get around him, the defensive tackle's trying to get around him, or defensive end's trying to get around him. They're trying to constantly hold that guy with that arm that's going around him, not hold him, but keep him from moving right. around him. But, uh, no, they hold him. Yeah, they do they hold him, yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, to walk me through, I know we only got a couple minutes, maybe a minute and a half, but walk me through this, because we talked about Eric Berry, we talked about these guys. 
when do you how do you make the decision if a guy's ready to come back? Because I, I don't think yeah. Eric Berry is going to be a hundred percent. So how do you decide? Oh, eighty percent of Eric Berry is better than a hundred percent of this guy. Yeah, you know, you do it by uh, the the injuries are all different. But like, say with heel pain and a, and a safety, you will uh, put him through different different uh, maneuvers. So uh, he's going to have to obviously backpedal, right? So mm-hmm. you want one, you got to make sure they don't limp when they walk. Two, can they run full speed without pain? Three, can they do the football maneuvers that they have to do to be able to come back without pain or without demonstrating pain? So for him, it'd be backpedaling, uh, jumping up for a pass, those types of things. And then it's just kind of after that, after you show all the correct maneuvers that you can do, then it's just having a serious conversation with the player. How do you feel? Because a lot of NFL players, if they're like 98%, that 2% for them isn't good enough because they want to be back 100%. Some of them will say, hey, I'll play with some pain. It's Everybody's a little bit different. But you also ask yourself as a team physician, will they be made worse? Will this injury be a lifelong injury? Will it be made worse if I let them play on it? If you have a severe ligament sprain and you're out there playing on it, could it become a rupture that now goes on to be an injury that's going to require surgery, those types of things. So with heel pain, those are the things you do because most of the time you're not going to make it worse. It's not going to be a lifelong injury if you go out and play. That's that's the short short answer to that question. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how he performs. He's been back before earlier this year, and he, he didn't wasn't real effective, and I think it's because he's injured. It's amazing how much better guys play when they're healthy. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. It is amazing, absolutely. And that's what we do in sports medicine, try and make those. It's an art of sports medicine. It's not 100% science. So, hey, we're right back. Stay tuned for Miss Tracy Mutton in her Mental Strength Minute. How important is confidence in an athlete? Is total confidence an absolute necessity to compete well? Of course, confidence is important in athletes, but what about the times when the athlete doesn't feel confident? What should he do when he is doubting himself and his abilities or feeling threatened by an opponent? Mental performance coach Justin Sua has stated, Sometimes you'll have all the confidence in the world and perform poorly. Other times you'll lack confidence and perform great. Confidence is nice to have, but it doesn't guarantee success. Instead of focusing on how you feel, focus on what you're going to do. I believe this is great advice. Elite athletes know that their feelings don't have to dictate their performance. They realize that they need to put their focus on their game and what they want to accomplish despite feelings. This doesn't always come naturally, though, and they as athletes need to learn and practice the skills necessary to accomplish this. If you or an athlete you know would like to learn more about this, you can contact us at The Edge Mental Strength Training by clicking on our link at docsandjocks.com. This has been your Mental Strength Minute. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. This is Dr. Dan, your longtime sports medicine physician, coming to you from inside Docs and Jocks radio studio deep in the heart of Texas, joined each week by my co-host, Ferris Potter. And, man, Ferris, it's been a great first hour. But remember, for our listening audience, we have a second hour. If you want to catch that second hour, maybe you're not uh, getting the entire show on our SB Nation feed and you want to catch the second hour of your sports medicine update, you can do so by going to docsandjocks.com or you can go to our iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. And you can also follow us on social media by going to at Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X, whether that's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. Love to be part of our show that way as well. But, uh, yeah, we were talking about the NFL uh, fairs. I thought one story we could drop in real quick is uh, former NFL player Greg Hardy, who was a defensive end uh, for the Carolina Panthers as well as the Dallas Cowboys. He is now uh, going to be – he is now having a career in UFC. Remember Greg Hardy, who was a pro bowler, (laughs) Uh, he uh, got in trouble with domestic violence, yeah. had to sit out, got picked up by the Dallas Cowboys, got suspended for another four games or eight games initially, four got, got it reduced down to four. He then uh, got released by the Cowboys after a not stellar year. He then got picked up and arrested in Dallas for uh, cocaine possession in 2016. Mm. 
He has now decided to become a UFC fighter, and he is 3-0 and in his UFC career so far. What do you think about Greg Hardy being a UFC fighter? Do you think that is a correct career move for him? Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> yeah, a lot of rage. Yeah, he, he gets does. some skills. He'll be fine. Yeah. yeah, no, and he looks good as far as the fight goes. He looks like this big giant brute when you see him out there. You know, oh, yeah. A lot of people say, oh, you know, he doesn't deserve to do it because he's done domestic violence. He, he did serve his time. He did uh, serve a penalty. So hopefully he's back and uh, he's not going to be doing that kind of thing. But man, just to just from a fan interest standpoint. It's, you remember Greg Hardy used to always paint his face and all that stuff, and he always yeah. kind of was always semi crazy. It, it is kind of fun to watch him. Bit of a psycho, yeah, you know. Yeah. And so if he stays clean and stays off the juice, I think it'd be good for him. I mean, you know, good. He's obviously a great athlete, physical yeah. specimen. Got to get the skill though. And I he'll think be fine. you may have to be a little bit psycho to be in the UFC. I mean, seriously, going against guys that big, kind of nuts. Can't hurt. Hey, Can't stay hurt. tuned. You're with us on our second hour here on Docs and Jocks, D O X N J O X dot com or iTunes podcast Docs and Jocks. So long. Welcome to your second hour of Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. This is Dr. Dan, along with my co-host, Ferris Potter, longtime sports medicine broadcaster at Grand Canyon University. I'm your sports medicine physician with Texas Sport and Spine. Hey, if you ever want to find out more about Texas Sport and Spine and what we do in my day job, uh, you can go to uh, just go to our docsandjocks.com website, and, uh, man, you can find out how to contact us there as well. We're coming to you from inside the Forge Abilene. If you ever want to find out if it might be a place for you to start uh, back in, getting back into exercise here at the beginning of the year, man, we would love to have you be part of that as well. Just go to theforgeabilene.com. Um, hey, Ferris, we were talking about UFC before we left. Uh, you know, Greg Hardy, now the uh, former uh, Panthers and Dallas Cowboys uh, defensive end, had decided he was going to become a UFC fighter. He's now 3-0. and But also, there's a really interesting story that the UFC title fighter, a uh, title fight contendee coming up, TJ Dillashaw, get this. He was 154 pounds and 8% body fat. He decides he wants to fight at the 125-pound weight class. He's 154.8%. He drops 29 pounds in a very short period of time, and now he is going for the title fight at one at uh, 125. You were a wrestler and did some of this crazy stuff in high school, losing weight and cutting weight and making sure you were below the weight. Man, it's, it's really, really dangerous for those who don't know. Tough on the kidneys can be very dangerous as you lose weight that fast. But give us your take on uh, back in the day when you had to try and cut weight to make a certain weight class, how uh, how difficult that was. And how difficult would it be to go from 154 to 125 when you're already at 8% body fat? Yeah, I mean, I was fortunate. I was a lot of times in the smallest weight class for the first couple of years, so I didn't have to even <laughs> cut weight, you know. But when I did, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. You just got to be really disciplined. I mean, with all the doctors around now and stuff, you can make it a little bit safer. But dropping that much weight when you're already in single digits body fat, it can't really be that healthy. And then what a lot of them do is they'll – They'll do it. They'll drop down to 129, and then they'll do the weigh-in, and he'll be up. He'll probably be up to 140 by the time the match actually Isn't takes place. So you yeah. you cut it all the way down, and then you add it back on, and mm-hmm. you don't you you know you don't. I I know guys who have you know they've dropped 20 pounds, and then you know in wrestling you couldn't really do it because you weighed in right before you know. But a lot of times they'll do the weigh-in the day before because it's TV, and you get 24 to 36 hours before the actual match. And so sometimes you'll have a 159 pounder at a 159 weight class, and he might be 162 fighting a guy that's 170 by the yeah. time he actually gets in there to fight. Yeah, they use diuretics. It can't, can't be healthy. No, it I can't mean, be healthy. They use diuretics to help pee off fluid. They use, 
enemas to help lose weight that way. They uh, spit into spit cups. It's very, very dangerous to get that dehydrated, and your kidneys are just having to work overtime because there's you know, no fluid coming through. So, man, we hope T.J. Dillashaw is okay and that he uh, ends up fighting the fight, but that's a tough way to cut that much weight in that short period of time. Hey, stay tuned here with us on Docs and Jocks. We will be right back. You're listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Buffalo Wild Wings, First Financial Bank, and MDI Abilene. Touchdown. Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, thanks so much for being uh, part of our Docs and Jocks listening audience. I'm Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician, doing what I do in my day job at Texas Sport and Spine here on air, talking about all the different joint issues with knees, hips, back, shoulders, and what they might be uh, affecting your favorite player, your favorite team, along with my co-host, Ferris Potter, the voice of Grand Canyon University. And Ferris, I thought we'd jump right into LeBron James. Uh, man, uh, I saw this injury. If you watched the Christmas Day game, he was playing against uh, Golden State when his Los Angeles Lakers were taking on Golden State. He lunged for a ball and his leg got put into a position where it's called uh, abduction where you're pulling your knee away from the midline so remember it's like sitting uh oh indian side where your legs are being pulled up your knees are being pulled apart that stresses the inside portion of your thigh call that your adductor group because it pulls your your knee towards the midline of your body so we call that adductor so when you forcefully get the opposite of that happening called abduction abduction that causes the uh, strain on the on the muscles on the inner inner thigh, and gives you a groin strain. And he uh, had a grade grade two, which means there's kind of interstitial or inside the the muscle tendon. There's pulling of those fibers, and it causes pain every time the muscle fires until that completely heals down. So they were expecting best case scenario he'd be back in three to four weeks. We're starting to approach that now, and uh, he is going to uh, he's been released to start trying to come back to uh, practice next week. The Lakers in the first 10 games after they lost uh, LeBron James, they went 3-7. and seven. They had a big win uh, this uh, following that 10-game uh, run where they beat Oklahoma City in an uh, overtime game. So, uh, man, I'm telling you, he's going to be absent. He was, he was not at the Oklahoma City game, and they're playing Houston this weekend. They're not, he's not going to be there, which I'm sad because I'm going to the Lakers-Houston game. So I'm very sad that he's not going to be there, but uh, it's – it's uh, definitely a different team with the Lakers trying to figure out how to win some games without LeBron James, um, you know, the best player in, in the NBA, not being part of them. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look at Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland goes from being in the uh, NBA championship. They are now projected as the highest likelihood of having the number one overall pick in the uh, NBA draft this year because LeBron James is no longer there. NBA champion to lottery pick team, highest highest possibility of being the lottery pick this is what we say in the first round we're talking about the college kids who want to be treated like professionals but then they get mad if the coach lies to them or whatever you can't have it both ways you can't have it both ways these guys that's why that's why these guys are beholden to that's why these guys get whatever they want that's why these guys get consulted on the coach because you can either kowtow to lebron james and do whatever he wants and not yell at him for stupid things he says and win championships or you can <laughs> let him leave and be the non-existent you yeah. they should take your franchise away yeah. They should just take it away. Well, it came out this week, too, that Kyrie Irving came out and said that he was immature and that he was uh, young and it felt like he got his uh, feelings in the way when he wasn't getting the accolades that LeBron was when he was there with the uh, Cavaliers and was a mistake. Not a mistake, but that's why yeah. Big Party went to the Celtics. So at least he admitted it. You know, a lot of young people never admit that, hey, you know, I was young and brash and arrogant and uh, I just didn't know how to be the number two fiddle, and, and uh, at least he admitted it. 
You know what my conspiracy theory is on that when he came out that the first you know the first thing I thought was what he's telling LeBron I want to come to LA and play with you again. Really? You think he would? Yeah. I mean, I I think I think I think I've these guys that, all, they, I never thought about that man. These guys leave because like, Kevin Durant's going to do it too, right? He's going to leave Steph because oh. he's got to something in him ego wise has to prove I can do it by myself, and he's going to go to New York, and in about I don't know ten games he's going to realize I can't do it by myself. Kyrie goes to Boston and realizes I cannot do it by myself. There's like three guys who can do that yeah. ever. I mean, Michael couldn't do it by himself. I mean, LeBron can do it by himself. I mean, Pretty Shaq much. could kind of do it by himself. I mean, Kobe, maybe. I mean, Michael, he needed help. I mean, I think he's the greatest player of all time, but I don't know, man. I think these guys leave and they go, I'm going to show you. And about a year or two in, they go, Holy cow. <laughs> he was good. A lot. You carried a lot good. of weight, man. Yeah. You carried it. Durant's going to do the same thing. Like, he's an idiot if he leaves. Oh, I know. Because they could, because none of those guys can do it by themselves. And that's the beauty of Steph, is like yeah. he doesn't mind sharing the, the glory, you know, and neither does Clay. Yeah. For whatever reason. Well, this has been uh, one of the longest lasting uh, injuries LeBron James has had. So it's going to be interesting to see if this is the start of the. Uh, you know, the leaking in the dam, if this is going to be something that becomes a bigger problem with the LeBron as he starts to age. You know, he's starting to get that, that age group now where injuries tend to happen a little bit more often. They tend to linger a little longer. Now, you're obviously a uh, groin strain is just like a hamstring strain, just like an Achilles strain where it's a musculotendinous. In other words, where the muscle and the tendon, and tendon's what connects muscle to bone, where that comes together, you tend to get injuries in that area, and they start getting a little more frequent because it's, it's like the straw that breaks the camel's back. It wasn't one injury, one moment that it happened. It's little micro tears, micro tears, micro tears. They coalesce into a bigger scar tissue area, which isn't as good and elastic as the normal tissue is. And then, bam, it happens and it hits you and, you know, you just uh, have an injury. So we're going to see if LeBron James, if he's able to come back from this one as expected. And then does he start having some more injuries? Your uh, comment on Kev- – oh, go ahead. No, I was going to ask you a question. So is that the type of injury where if he rests it, if he does everything he should, which LeBron will do, right? Yeah. He should be able to come back 100%? Yeah, the, yeah it, yes. And you don't worry about that one lingering or being – You, uh, he, you worry about wait. it recurring because it is uh, – I always say I try and give this injury uh, analogy when we're talking about muscle and tendon injuries. If you had a rope tied between two bumpers of two vehicles facing opposite directions – so the rope's in between the two cars going opposite directions, and they're sitting still, and they're getting ready to take off, and they're revving their engine. They start to take off. The rope doesn't break in two all at once. It frays, right? So you tear micro-fraying. It's going to start fraying, 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 fraying. Then it goes, right? So mm-hmm. when you have an injury where you strain a muscle, a musculotendinous injury, a, a grade 2 groin strain, that's your adductor group, or a hamstring strain, you come back when it feels good, but the tissue is never quite as strong as it was previously. Are you with me? The, mm-hmm. the rope, even though if you untied the rope before it broke in two and you went and tested the strength of the rope, it wasn't as strong as it was before it had the micro-tearing, the fraying going on when it first happened. That's the way you think of tendon injury. So he is a higher likelihood of having it recur, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's 100%, 100% that it's going to reoccur. Mm-hmm. So one, that's why you see guys who have hamstring injuries like Nelly Cruz who had like six in a year or something. You tend to right. see them happen over and over and over again because once you're prone to it, it just makes it more likely that it could happen again because that muscle isn't as strong as it was. The scar tissue that forms is more apt to have injury occur to it again. So is that – I don't answer your question with a yes yeah, or no, no answer. That, but that, no, that makes sense. I always think about guys like this that are longer, you know, have a lot of uh, – they're older. They're veterans. They've played a lot of, a lot of minutes. And sometimes I think injuries early in the year can be beneficial 
Because, like, look what Houston's doing to, to James Harden. They're riding that guy 39 minutes a game. Yeah, he's going to be dead when it comes <laughs> yeah, to March. Yeah. Like, he's not yeah. going to be able to play in the playoffs. LeBron's going to get a, what What do you think, a four- to six-week break here? Yeah. Where it, where he doesn't play, and he just rehabs and things like that. Yeah. And, and as long as this team's good enough to make the playoffs without That's him, which all I they think need. they are. That's all they need. Yeah. You know, I, I I think in some ways, for these older guys, it's a bit of a silver lining when they have these forced rest, as yeah. long as the injury is healable. Is that right? Healable? Yeah. When it's able he, to be healed? Able to be healed, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, speaking of uh, James Harden, here's a great stat. The Houston Rockets attempted, this, this game just happened this week, 73-pointers in one game. They, they made 23 of them for 33% in a 145 to 142 loss to the uh, Brooklyn Nets. The, it, it set a record for the all-time most combined three-pointers, 106 three-pointers in one game, Ferris. So James Harden, is uh, I think he had 50-something in this game. He's shooting up some three-pointers like nobody's business, playing 39 minutes per game. But 73-point attempts by the Houston Rockets. The game has changed a lot since you and I do you, played. Do you like it? I was going to ask you, do you like it? I do and I don't. I like the fast-paced offense. I love the run and gun. I like yeah. that part of it. But I just wish they tried a little harder on defense. I don't like an NBA All-Star game where they don't play defense at all. Right. So if they played good defense, like I give the L.A. Lakers back in the day in uh, Showtime, they played. They tried to play good defense, but they also ran on offense like crazy wild right. banshees. That's what I like. I don't like that when neither team's playing any defense. It's 145 to 142 in a regular game. And, uh, you know. But I do right. like I do like offense. I like I like I like baseball when there's a lot of runs. A lot of people like the one to nothing game. I like the ten to eight game. So it's just what your what you. I like crappie fishing. I don't like bass fishing because I don't want to catch one fish. I want to catch a bunch of them. <laughs> so it's your personality, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I miss the drives to the bucket, you know, and uh-huh. and the contact, and I miss the I miss the mid range jumper. Yeah. Like I miss the pull up jumper. Yeah. It's gone. You know, but that's I'm an old guy, yeah. you know. So There's no the reason heck? you don't shoot a twelve footer anymore. What good does that do? It gives you two points and you could have just moved yeah. back a little bit and hit another one and been yeah. three. So you can just move back and jack up ninety threes in a game. What <laughs> yeah. the heck? Steph Curry does and he hits them, man. Anyway. Crazy. So that's why guys get twenty five rebounds a game, because nobody crashes the boards. Nobody. There's no Dennis Rodman's in the world anymore. Hey, we'll be right back, more Docs and Jocks. When we come back, we're gonna have lovely Miss Tracy Mutton uh, doing our mental strength assessment here on Docs and Jocks. You're listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by West Texas Neurosurgery, Abilene Tech. Touchdown. Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, joined by my co-host Ferris Potter, the voice of Grand Canyon University. Great to have you part of our listening audience. Hey, if you want to be part of our show and uh, get a question into to uh, myself about a knee, a hip, a back, a shoulder problem, or sports medicine question yourself, you can do so by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com, and you can click on our Contact Us button there. <laughs> and, uh, man, love to answer your question on air as we do each week here on Docs and Jocks. Ferris, we are uh, very excited to have on lovely Miss Tracy Munton, our mental strength coach who is uh, in studio here with us, going to talk a little bit about how to keep us mentally strong in our sports and in sports medicine endeavors. We always talk about training, like, you know, how do we exercise? How do you get yourself stronger, bigger, faster? And, uh, man, the biggest part of uh, what I think we leave out a lot of time is the mental side of things. Thanks so much, Tracy, for being on the show. Sure. Thanks for having me. And uh, let's just jump right into uh, – you know, I heard your Middle Strength Minute this week, and it was all about confidence. And uh, Ferris and I were talking off air, and we were talking about how it, maybe you can answer this question. You know, we, obviously you want athletes to be very confident. 
And there's a fine line between that and uh, arrogance, which we see in a lot of, uh, you know, big-time elite athletes as well. What is the difference between confidence and arrogance, and is, is there a fine line that you cross sometimes there? Um, I think there is, and I we do talk to our athletes about that, about the, the importance of being confident or at least acting like you're confident and, and going out on the field in that way. And I think the, the difference probably is, you know, a confidence is knowing – this is what I can do. This is what I can bring to my team. This is how I can contribute. This is how I can be a part. The, the, the arrogance or the cockiness, maybe it's all about me. It's, you know, everybody look at me. Everybody look what I can do. And it's not so much concerned with how I can contribute to a team, but what can I get for myself? What kind of recognition can I get? And a lot of times it's just in the attitude of the athlete. Exactly. Fair show question for Tracy. You know, Tracy, as you're dealing with all these athletes over the years, is it is it a rare thing to find somebody who just has that confidence, or is it typically something a learned skill you have to have? Or because uh, we see some guys like a Derek Jeter, he just looks like he was born with this confidence, you right. know. And other guys have to work at it. Right. It. You know, really, it's both. Um, with the mental strength assessment that we give, which anybody can go. Um, through the link on docsandjocks.com and take that mental strength assessment. Confidence is one of the areas that we measure. And there are some people that very are very naturally confident athletes. They, they just, for whatever reason, they have that. It's been instilled in them. And then there's some really great athletes that come in that are low on the confidence scale. And um, they've just learned to kind of work their way through that. But it, it is a skill um, that you can learn it there's different techniques and things you can do to make yourself you know more confident we talk a lot about you know if you've worked really really hard at the very least have confidence in your preparation when you go into a game if you're scared and you're not feeling confident you know take a take a minute and and realize how much preparation you have put into your skills and your sport and be confident in that and just finding different ways to find that confidence. And like in the Mental Strength Minute today, we talk about sometimes you don't always have the confidence and you may have right. your best game. And sometimes you may have all the confidence in the world and you don't have a great game. Is is negative self-talk the opposite of confidence or are those two separate things? Um, I think that negative self-talk will definitely contribute um, to a lack of confidence um, we talk to our athletes a lot about the importance of their internal dialogue and what's going yeah. on in their head. And so if you – and once again, it's like anything else. I tell the athletes, you have to practice. In practice, just like you're practicing your skill, you have to practice these mental skills. And so yeah. be aware. What's going on inside your head? What are you saying to yourself? And stop the negative and replace it with positives. You're just going to – you're going to feel better about yourself, you know, if anything, but it's just going to affect your game in a much better, more positive way than if you're just negative all the time in your head. Yeah, I love there was a, a sure shot uh, video or on Instagram or Twitter, I can't remember which one it was, but it was a Navy SEAL. He was uh, dealing with uh, five Major League Baseball players, Ferris, and I, Tracy and I showed this to our, our young son as well. And these, uh, this Navy SEAL basically had these baseball players shooting at a target about 300 yards away and they were dinging the target like nobody's business. They're bang, 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 bang. And so he said, hey, and then he sat down afterwards, talked to him, said, hey, do you guys ever practice, 
you know, baseball in stressful situations. So you're when you hit the ninth inning, you're ready to go, and you you know you've been in that situation before. And they're like, no, in baseball practice, we just we baseball BP, we just try and man relax, get our thoughts clear. And he goes, yeah, but uh, you know, in stressful situations, you need to, you know, don't you ever want to feel that and know what it's like? So when you come up to it, you're ready. And they're like, no, we don't really do that. He goes, let's let's try this. He goes, uh, let's you guys just banged off those targets and hit them. He goes, in real life, you know, I'm never laying on a flat surface. I'm never, you know, uh, you know, nobody talking to me in my headset. Nobody screaming. I'm getting shot at. Nobody shooting back at me. You know, there's usually somebody shooting back at me. Mm-hmm. So right, right. He goes, he goes. Apparently, the only difference between you and me is the fact that I practice stressful situations because I know I'm going to be in them. He goes, let's let's try this again. He goes, let's just try and get your heart rate up and make it stressful. He goes, first of all, we're going to make all five of you compete against each other. We're going to run up this mountain. There's a little hill next to him. They ran back down the hill. And then you're going to do burpees right before you do it. And, by the way, you're going to be timed timed, and you're going to be rated on accuracy, and then we'll see who the best is. So, you know, you got five alpha male competitors yeah, yeah. going. They all do it, and they lay down. They try and shoot. This time they don't have the time to take their time and do it, and they all start missing. He goes – then the seal laid down, you know, in the same situation after he just got done running, he lays down, ping, 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 dead right, nails, right. you know. So that's exactly what you're talking about, Tracy, where you have to put yourself in that situation where you're internally dialoguing positivity in the most stressful situations. Right. Would that be a good example of that? that? Yeah, that's a good example. Just anything that you can do to put yourself in that situation or, like I said, just you're practicing in practice. That's always yeah. the best way you're going to do it. A, a great example I have is a, a, a young um, high school athlete that I worked with last year that was a junior, and he was a pole vaulter and very, very good. And all he had had an injury, and I think due to his injury, um, he just had some fears that were going on inside of his head, and he wasn't uh, jumping. He wasn't planning his pole. He was just running through every time. So his dad called me in a frenzy. Their district was getting ready to start. <laughs> and he, you know, was like, what, 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 my kid needs some help. You know, what's going on with this? And so the, the first time I talked to him, I just gave him a simple homework assignment. And I just asked him, I want you to really pay attention to your internal dialogue, pay attention to what's going on in your head while you're running with your pole before you plant and document that. Let me know. So the next time he comes back and he says, yeah, it was all, you know, don't miss, don't fall, don't, you know, oh, blow yeah. it, don't don't, don't yeah. mess up. Blow you know, it was it, all the ne- all negative. It was all negative. And so I told him, I said, you've got to figure out an internal dialogue. And once again, this is for every athlete to fi- figure out for themselves. I can't tell them what to do. But I said, if you, ha- if, if you can't even think of anything positive to say, just say something neutral. Count. Count your steps. Um say the words to a song or, you know, a verse or a poem or something, you know, do a chant, something that you like while you're running. It, it's not negative in your head. It's positive. And, and it changed everything for him. And he, the kid ended up going to state. Wow. So, I mean, it was just, it wasn't any kind of magic pill or anything, but it was just changing the internal dialogue that was going on. He didn't even realize he was doing it. And it was just that, that self awareness of oh my gosh, everything I'm saying to myself is negative. Right. And and changing that, making an effort in practice to change it. So when he got to the meets, he was already doing that. If you're just going to go to a meet and try to do something different, you're going to forget. You're yeah. going to you know you're in that pressure situation. So if you're practicing in practice time and time again, then when you get there to that competition, you're much more likely to be successful. You know, it makes me think of a quote, too. You're talking about practice and practicing the situations and falling back on that practice. The military has a saying, uh, I I believe uh, Jesse Michelle, who was on, told us this. He said, the more uh, you sweat in training, the less you bleed in battle. 
And I think that's a good way to think about it. You know, you've been in that situation. You practice that way. Most people don't practice the way they play, though. They practice in a very controlled right. environment. It's very difficult to put yourself in a play situation in practice. But that is the way you should probably practice at least some of the time. Right. I mean, absolutely. And it and it's the same for the mental part of it, the mental aspects. If you want to have a strong mental game, you can't just expect that you're never going to practice those mental skills and and go into a game and, and have strong mental skills. You have to practice and practice. Right. Are, are you seeing more coaches uh, become interested in this type of thing? Because you talk about the, the negative talk and the positive talk and how big of a difference it is. You still hear coaches a lot of times say, oh, you're not a good three-point shooter. You, you can't – you're not a home run hitter, swing level. You're not – there's a lot of negatives to coaching, and I know you're trying to motivate a kid, but are coaches starting to come around to, hey, I need to do it and correct, but in a positive way? I, I think so. I think there's coaches that are realizing um, how important it is. I mean, I think the really good coaches – already realize that but Mm -hmm. um you know hopefully just as you educate people that you let them know this is important how you speak to these kids the messages you're sending them and then also more and more coaches area are becoming interested in what we're doing and they're sending athletes to us or they're having us do team building um exercises and things with their kids to get them ready for their season to get closer as a team to communicate better as a team and so Coaches definitely do a lot of quote-unquote sports psychology, whether they realize it or yeah, not. Good or bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my yeah, good. they have a huge impact, yeah. Yeah. This reminds me of a story of Corey Aldridge, who was probably the best hitter to ever come out of our big country area here in Abilene. He was working with a group of kids here inside the Forge Abilene, and uh, he was hitting in the cage, and he said, hey, what are you guys doing? What's your goal here in the cage? And one of the kids said, I want to hit it off the L screen. He goes, at best, that's a single. So you want to be a single hitter the rest of your life? And he goes, no. He goes, well, what do you want to do then? He goes, I, I want to hit a home run. He's almost embarrassed to say it. And he said, well, let me show you how to swing it like a home run. And Corey hits one, hits it off the top of the cage. He goes, you know why I can swing it like a, I can hit a home run or act like he's swinging like a home run? Because I, I practice swinging like I want to hit home runs. So come back up here. Let's try and practice like we're hitting home runs. And this kid started letting it go, man. Boom! Started hitting it. So it just shows you if you will practice the way you want to play, you will get the results you want. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, Miss Tracy Munton, thank you for coming on uh, Docs and Jocks. If someone wants to contact you for some mental strength training, how do they do so? Just go to Docs and Jocks and click on our link, the Edge Mental Strength Training. All right. That's how you do it. You get a free mental strength evaluation and uh, sent right back to you. So find out where you stand. Hey, we'll be right back with more Docs and Jocks after this short commercial break. Listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Abilene Sports Medicine, Hardin Simmons University, and Lawrence Hall Chevrolet. Touchdown! Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Man, great to have you. Remember, you can contact us and ask us your question by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. I've sent back a lot of replies to questions people have written in that didn't want to necessarily come on air and have it answered. But, uh, man, if you want to get a... Uh, I'm not taking the place of your sports medicine physician, your family practice physician, or your orthopedist. I'm basically just giving you some information, trying to point you in the right direction to get you back out on the field again, like we do here on Docs and Jocks each week. Joined each week by my co-host, Ferris Potter, the voice of Grand Canyon University. Some great advice from lovely Miss Tracy Mutton there. Found out what the difference between confidence and arrogance is, and also how to internally dialogue with yourself. It is a big deal. There are a lot. There is a lot of negativity that goes on in people's heads sometimes when they're trying to play sports, and people are watching them. They start getting into that negative thinking, and that really can affect your game in a, in a very, very adverse way. 
You know, I it feels like there's so much it's it's different than when we were growing up and stuff. It seems like there's a lot more negativity. There's a lot more access to viewing other people who are better than you, you know? Like when yeah. you were growing up, you probably were confident because you were a really good ball player. You were around good ball players. You measured yourself against the good ball players around you, but you didn't realize there was a kid down in Florida who was a hundred times better than you. You yeah, couldn't exactly. see him, you know? Yeah. You couldn't pick up your phone and go, Oh, I thought I was good. This guy's gonna kill me. Yeah. So you just kept in your little world and now kids compare themselves to everybody. everybody. They get in their own heads, I yeah. think, so much more. I think mental strength. I mean, I, you know, we talk about fitness and diet. I think that all that is incredibly important. But I think mental strength is the one that is the is the difference maker. And so many kids, whether they become elite performers or they they cash it in and give it up. Yeah, it absolutely is. I, I, I can give you so many examples of that, but I totally 100% agree. But you really have to have that internal dialogue saying, Hey, and it's, it doesn't have to say like, I'm the greatest, I'm the, but that, that's not bad either. But you can just yeah. say, I'm working to get better. I'm always trying to do my very best, whatever that may be. I mean, if you look at really, you know, if, if you're a Christian like Ferris and I, and you, the Bible talks about being your best, it says run the race in such a way as to win the prize. So, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. is your best, whatever that might be. It doesn't say you have to win the prize, but run in such a way as to win the prize. So you know, be your very best as you can. So that was, that was my last, that's my dad preacher coming out of me right there. Ferris, how was that? It's in you. You had some brothers doing that yeah, thing. The yeah. muttons are preaching <laughs> yeah. it, baby. Bring so, it. There we go. Hey, uh, the next segment here, we're going to call it the boogie is back, man. Uh, <laughs> Golden State Warriors now pick up DeMarcus Cousins, Ooh, who geez. they uh, picked up after he had a uh, ruptured his Achilles tendon last year with the New Orleans Pelicans. And so the Pelicans are now um, – I'm sorry, the Warriors just played the Pelicans without Boogie being on the court. He's getting ready to make his debut, and they beat them 147-140. to Curry hitting nine three-pointers for 41 points. We just talked about this three-point thing. It's outrageous. Mm-hmm. He is shooting something like 50% from 33 feet and out or something like that, Some like remarkably deep three-pointers. He so Crazy. reminds me. I remember watching the Harlem Globetrotters Fairs when I was a kid. I'm getting off point here with yeah. three cousins. We'll come back to him. But Curly Neal and, and – uh, Oh, Metal Arc Lemon. Metal Arc Lemon. They used to make those crazy half-court shots. And I'm like, how yeah. come nobody does that in the NBA? If those could be made by the Harlem Glo- Globetrotters, why can't somebody in the NBA do it? Well, guess what? Now they're doing it, man. They're just hitting these three-pointers like nobody's business. But DeMarcus Cousins is set to make his comeback. Listen to this starting lineup when he comes back. And this is, once again, from an Achilles tendon rupture post-surgery. So we don't know if he's going to get spring back or not because that's the biggest thing with Achilles tendon rupture. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, and now Boogie Cousins. That is an all-star team, a good yeah. all-star team. I yeah. mean, if you ran that team out there on the all-star team for the for the West, th- that could, they could very well potentially beat any all-star team from the East of collective players from all the other teams. Yeah, That's I mean, amazing. it's 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 a it's a a ton of wealth. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I guess we can't just give them the championship, but I don't know who's <laughs> going to match up to that. No. You know, I mean, yeah, James Harden's doing some exciting stuff, and when Chris Paul comes back, that'll be nice. But yeah, I mean, what what after that? You know, yeah, because right now, like they believe they got what's the guy playing uh, right now in front of Demarcus? Cousins? It's like Kevin Looney or something like that. You replace Looney in that with Demarcus Cousins. Good night, every everybody on that list. Well, Draymond Green, not necessarily, but everyone else can go for forty, easy. Oh yeah, I've done it numerous times. I mean, yeah, no problem. Yeah, they can all. I mean, if you shut down Curry, Thompson can go off from the other side. You shut down right. the both of them. Kevin Durant can take over a game on his own, like he did when these guys were hurt. There were several guys hurt. Durant took over and won, kept a minute. 
And then DeMarcus Cousins, if you shut down everybody. And then you got Draymond Green, who plays great defense. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a really, really – that may be the best team ever. I mean, it's hard to say that now because they haven't played together. But those right. five guys, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I mean, you could stack it up against the best, the yeah. best starting lineups ever. I mean, you you know, you'd have a, you'd have some arguments from Magic, Kareem, James Worthy, Byron Scott, Michael Cooper. You know, yeah. I mean, you got three Hall of Famers in that one. I'm not sure how many Hall of Famers you have on this team. I mean, you would think Durant and Steph Curry for sure. Yeah. Um, I would think Clay Thompson would be borderline possibly, but you know, Scottie Pippen, if he had been on a different team, might not have been a Hall of Famer, but you right. know, he is. So yeah, I mean, that's. That's incredible. I, you wonder if the pressure gets to him of, hey, we're supposed to win. I don't think it will. They seem to all be pretty good under pressure. Yeah. But, you know, well, yeah, I guess you just wait for it to break up if you're the rest of the guys in the league. You just wait for them to self-destruct or, you know, Durant wants to leave and maybe somebody else will. Or Boogie Cousins isn't the same player he was for the Pelicans with his Achilles tendon rupture. You know, that's possible. If you there's not enough basketballs to go around for all those guys who are very offensive-minded, yeah. Curry, Thompson, Durant, and, and Cousins are all very offensive-minded. So it's going to be hard to get yeah. enough, enough uh, touches for all of them. So they, maybe they implode that way. You get the uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, mm-hmm. you know, LeBron type thing where there's not enough egos to go around or too many egos to go around, however you want to say it. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. But that is going to be a fun, fun team to watch. And uh, we're just getting ready to see his debut this upcoming week. So pretty amazing to watch those guys for sure. Hey, big story uh, just broke in the news. Dallas Cowboys uh, just uh, parted ways with uh, offense coordinator Scott Linehan, who's been there and been doing his thing. They don't let Jason Garrett go. They hang on to him. Now they're changing the coaches. I believe during the season this year, they also let their uh, offensive line coach go. So they're making some changes in the lieutenants, not in the captain, I guess you would say, if you're talking mafia, Mm -hmm. but they are – Definitely making some changes. In, I don't. I don't think they want to see Dak Prescott continue down the same road he's going, which doesn't seem like he's gotten better since his rookie year. I think they want to see him develop in his throwing as a passer. So probably yeah. going to bring in someone very offensive minded. And Jason Garrett, in and of himself, you know, offensive coordinator, offensive minded coach. So maybe he sees something as there as well. But I like Scott Linehan. But maybe it's just time for change. What do you What do you think about that? Like not. I wasn't surprised they're keeping Garrett around and he gets a vote of confidence. But, you know, when we talked to Christy Scales, she said they're not satisfied with just getting this far in the playoffs. They they feel like they should move further. But Jerry is, for whatever reason, incredibly loyal to him, you know. And, and Jerry's shown that loyalty to different people around the times, and he's very loyal to Garrett. I mean, do you think, do you think, Garrett, you think if they brought somebody else in, and I don't know who that would be, they could, they could you know, make make the next jump? Or do you think Kate Garrett did a fine job? They just were not as good a team as the Rams. I think they can definitely have room. I think because all their specialty players are pretty young. So, I mean, Dak's definitely got another, you know, five, ten years in him. Ezekiel Elliott, five, ten years in him. I mean, you look at their wide receiver position. I forget how, how old Amari Cooper is, how long we have him. But their linebacking crew now with Jalen Smith and uh, Van Der Escher, very young guys. So, you know, they drafted a really, really heavy uh, offensive line for several years in a row. So those guys are relatively uh, young. So I think they've got a lot of room. I believe they believe this is the team that can get them there. I, I, I hope they uh, – do I hope they're right because I'm a Cowboys fan, but uh, I think age is on their side, and I believe they really want to push it right now. Probably getting some new blood in there with Scott Linehan uh, leaving. Uh, in my opinion, it's probably an okay thing, probably a thing where they're saying, hey, we think Dak can make a, a progress with a different OC. But, yeah, it definitely seems like Jerry Jones is loyal to his guys, whether it be hanging on to Des Bryant for a year too long 
uh, hanging on to uh, Jason Garrett now. I don't think he's a guy that likes to move a lot of people. And that's probably good for an organization overall in the long run. If you look at most very stable, long-term organizations that are, are winning and successful, like the Patriots, they don't seem to, team, seem to change the top echelon very often. Yeah, that, that's always the hard thing, right? I mean, you won your division. You, you know, I mean, do you make a change? You roll the dice for something better. What if it's worse? You yeah, know, right. I mean, you just don't quite know. And unless there's a guy that you feel confident, you know, is going to be really good. But then how long do you have that guy for? I mean, do, do you roll the dice on it? Try to woo, woo away, a, you know, Bob Stoops out of retirement? Well, you know, how, how, who knows if he's going to be good in the pros or not? You know, yeah. I mean, he's a great college coach, but, you know, I just don't know. So. Yeah, I just wondered how it's going over in Texas. Didn't seem to be a lot of fallout for him keeping him. People didn't seem to mind too much, I don't think. Yeah, no, I think if he we, we would have got the playoffs this year, uh, Jason Garrett would have been on the hot seat, probably gone. But because we did make the playoffs, I think that was uh, you know what kept his job. I think that's what what Christy Scales felt as well because of that. Probably was a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. her favorite quote of the Christy Scales interview is, uh, it's funny how we long for the days of Chan Gailey now. <laughs> I totally forgot about Chan Gailey. He, he was the uh, coach right after – was he immediately after Jimmy Johnson? No, it goes Jimmy Johnson, Barry no, Switzer, Jim, Chan Gailey. Yeah. yeah, Chan Gailey was after Barry Switzer. He was right after Switzer? Yep. How many rings did Switzer win? One. Yeah, we won two. Just with, one? Uh, yeah, yeah, we won uh, two with Jimmy, right? Then we lost it a year, and then we won it again. Is that right? Yeah. They won three with that group. Aikman won three. Yeah. We went back to back, lost one another one with. Uh, I was thinking about it last time, you know, everybody calls me and says, hey, you know, because right? everybody knows I everybody knows I don't think Andy Reid's, uh, you know, can coach in the in the games and he always loses and stuff. But they're always like they always ask me about him. And I said, you know, what's sad is Andy Reid is a really good coach and he's been doing it very long. He's a better coach than Barry Switzer. And Barry Switzer has a ring and Andy, <laughs> Andy Reid may never get one. You know, Barry there's Switzer, coaches man. that are just good coaches yeah. and thinking Barry Switzer's got a ring. Know, it's like, man. come on. Yeah, well, this may be the year for your Kansas City Chiefs, man. We I know we already talked about it briefly, but I know you're hoping. So I'm I'm a Chiefs fan yeah. this week just because of you. It'd be fun. Yeah, I'm not anti-Patriots or anything, but yeah, I'd like to see the Chiefs because they were such a I'm good -Patriots team, team so. for so long. They were so good in those early years, you know, back when they were in the Super Bowl with their uh, who was that Dawson or who was their quarterback? Lenny back? Dawson, Lenny baby. Dawson. Yeah. So the last time they were in the Super Bowl, yep. 1969. One it's time to go back. They lost sure. one and they won three. We definitely need to do this before uh, the time is too short on us here. Let's go over your picks. Let's go over. Uh, well, Patriots Chiefs. Can you even be? Uh, can you be even fake being impartial? No, here? I'm. I'm going to say the Chiefs. I honestly really think they're a better team and they're going to win the game. And it scares the bejeebers out of me. <laughs> well, I'm so confident. Well, it would be it, it. this would. I would almost consider this instead of calling it a uh, father time versus mother nature with Tom Brady. The weather. I would say it's a if this is the changing of the guard game. If this happens, if Patrick Possibly. Mahomes comes in and beats Tom Brady, I think you may be seeing a changing of the guard because, man, he's young. He's got yeah. a cannon for an arm. He's got a good team around him. They're relatively young. They're going to be pretty good other than, like, Eric Berry's getting a little older. But overall, Tyreek Hill's not too old. I mean, how's Kelsey now? Is he middle – where is he pretty young? Uh, he's in the middle of his career. Probably, he's probably got another good three, four-year, five-year yeah. run. So this you could know? be a run. If they get it this year, this could be a run. Yeah. Uh, no, sure. I agree. I agree. And I, 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 the whole father time thing, it's funny. They want to say that just because of his age, but – he seems healthier, as healthy as he was 10 years ago. He seems in better health than when he came out of the combines, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know he's old, but he seems in good – he seems in great shape. And it's not like he's the only one. You got uh, Philip Rivers, the GM for the Chargers, just came out this this week and said uh, Rivers is not going anywhere, close quote. So, you know, I didn't realize this. Philip Rivers is not only 37 years old, but he is six foot five. Did you realize he was that tall? 
I knew he was big. Yeah. Yeah, dude, this is funny. When he I, I was watching ESPN years ago and I'm watching this North Carolina State game. I got it. I don't know why. I was just watching. And I, and I'm just I'm looking at his quarterback and I'm going, man, I hope the Chiefs can get that guy. This guy's going to be really good. I saw him for like 30 minutes in a game. It was Philip Rivers. Oh, wow. Yeah. And of course, the Chiefs didn't get him. Yeah, they didn't. And then, you know, you got Rivers, you got Breeze at 40. Obviously, Brady's 41, but Breeze at 40. And then Roethlisberger's 36. So, I mean, you got four quarterbacks. Rodgers is getting older, yeah, too. Yeah, he's Aaron up there, Rogers, too, as well. Like so, mid-30s. Yeah. So, uh, it isn't like yeah. uh, you can't go on for a long time and be successful. They've definitely shown Tom Brady has definitely shown that. 30 seconds here, Ferris. Got Rams, Saints. Who's your uh, pick with uh, Breeze versus Golf? Another changing of the guard, by the way. That's a hard one. It's a pick em. I'm going to go with who I'd like to see win. I'm going to go Rams. Rams. Todd Gurley is going to get 150 yards rushing. Anderson will get another 100 yards, and they'll they'll, they'll dominate on the ground. Yeah, I definitely like uh, Drew Brees. Another Texas boy, homegrown here in the great uh, city of Austin, Texas. So, hey, we'll be right back with the last segment here on Docs and Jocks. You're not going to miss that. Hey, thanks for tuning in to your sports medicine radio show, Docs and Jocks. to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Visual Edge and Texas Sport Inspired. Touchdown. Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks. This is Dr. Dan and my co-host Ferris Potter, the voice of Grand Canyon University. Hey, if you ever want to catch our show anytime, anywhere, go subscribe to our iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X and J-O-X. Get our whole entire two-hour show there. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it, at Docs and Jocks, D-O-X and J-O-X. Hey, Ferris, here in our last segment, let's do our Ask Dr. Dan uh, question. I think we got a question from a, a listener. Yeah, Brian in Fort Worth uh, used to run all the time and wanted to get back into it January 1st, picked it up, started running again, kind of tweaked his. He thinks it's his hamstring. Yeah. Let it rest for about a week, ran again and kind of tweaked it again and just wondering what he should do about that and what kind of protocols he should use. Crazy common because we see that a lot when you would, just like we talked about earlier in the show with a hamstring where you can re-aggravate a muscular strain very easily because it's not quite as strong as it was before. Remember, your hamstring is your break in your lower leg. It's what keeps your knee from swinging out, your lower leg from swinging out all the way it slows down so it's like having your brakes on so one if you start with your hamstrings too tight in other words you're very inflexible you have an increased risk for having hamstring strains so one of the things you want to do is is stretch it but don't stretch it overly stretch it like before you do activity get really good and warmed up and just do a very uh, dynamic stretch where you're doing some like scissor kicks where you're trying to bring your uh, laying on your back and you're bringing it up to you where you're trying to get some flexibility and movement yoga would be a very good way to do some hamstring stretching as well after you get a good warm-up in and remember all you're you are in life is you're a box with four little pendulums hanging off of it so when you start doing running, when you're running, the box is moving through space nice and square. That's your core. And the pendulums, your legs, have to do their thing by moving nice and smooth. So if the box wobbles, your foundation wobbles, it causes the hamstrings to have extra stress. So if I was going to do, tell someone to do something for their hamstrings, I would tell them to get really core stable. Do crunches, leg lifts, planks, uh, sit-ups with a slight twist, bird dog exercises, I call them, with one arm in front of you, one leg behind you, and then do a dynamic warm-up, and then go into a good hamstring stretching program called a dynamic stretch. You can go to a mayoclinic.com, type in core strength, and if you're core strengthening exercises, they also show your hamstring stretches there. But those are all good places to get started, Ferris. Does that answer your question? 
Yeah, I think that'll answer this question quite a bit. We'll probably you probably see that quite a bit with the, the new year. People want to get back yes. into it. Maybe just push a little bit. I would just say, yeah, do something though. Don't let that stop you from getting back yeah. into it. You know, right. find yeah. something that maybe you can do around while you're recoup re rehabbing that. Yeah. But keep active. That's yeah. that's great. You're trying to be active again. Yeah, modify your exercise program. That's what we do here on Docs and Jocks. Love talking to all our different listeners. Remember, you can do so by going to docsandjocks.com. From myself, Dr. Dan, and my co-host Ferris Potter, we'll see you next week on your sports medicine radio show. Docs and Jocks. So long from all of us. <laughs>